Okay. Daryl, are, right. are you recording? Okay. <laughs> We're in Nehemiah chapter 13, starting at verse 1 today. So let's open with prayer. Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for some of these books that we we don't often study, and, and even though we it's hard sometimes to plow through a whole bunch of names. There's always something there for us. We thank you for this chapter where um, we're getting back to some of the action. Um, we do pray that as we see what happened while Nehemiah was gone, that it'll be a warning to us as well to um, make sure that our personal relationship with you is sound and that we're not depending on others um, to maintain our relationship with you. Just pray you bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we will read our passage. We'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 14. And uh, what are typically, we'll just read one verse at a time and work our way back through it and then go around again. So Marie will start, and then Roy, you'll be second. On that day, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. And it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. Because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now before death. The priest having authority over the storeroom of the house of our God was allied with Tobiah. I haven't found it yet. Oh. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to go ahead and read it? Looking. And he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles, and also the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oils prescribed for the Levites musicians, and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for the priests. But during all this time I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked leave from the king. And came to Jerusalem. Then I discovered the evil that that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly, Therefore I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and brought back those vessels of the house of God, with the grain offerings and the frankincense. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them, for each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. All Judea brought the ties of grain, new wine, and olive oil into the storerooms. And in charge of the storehouses, I appointed Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Pediah of the Levites. In addition to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah. For they were considered reliable, and it was their task to distribute to their kinsmen. 
Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his servants. Okay. So, uh, last week we saw that they had finished the, the wall. They had the dedication service. Remember, they took all the, they, they gathered the Levites together. They got the singers and the musicians, the priests, all the leaders, divided them up into two groups, and, and they started uh, they, in the southwest corner of the city. They got, went up on top of the wall, and one group went one way to the right, around counterclockwise, led by Ezra. The other group went clockwise north and then around, uh, led by Nehemiah, and they met at the far corner and then came down to the temple, and that's where they had a, a big dedication service. And so that was uh, soon after the completion of the wall. Probably all this happened in the first year of, of Nehemiah as governor. Um, we also saw that uh, they, the people were thrilled with the Levites and the priests because of the service that they put on, and they brought in all their tithes and offerings that uh, were there for the supply of the priests and the Levites. And so they had this joyous celebration. Now, chapter 13 basically occurs at least 12 years later, 12 to 14, 15 years later. So we had seen that Nehemiah served as governor for 12 years. Let's go back to chapter 5. And someone would like to read verse 14 for us. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor, nor in the land of Judah, from the 28th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. Okay, so that was his, that was his first stint as governor, for 12 years. And so... At the time of the action that we're going to get into here in chapter 13 occurs um, after he's, he's left, he's gone back to the king, and then he returns for a second stint as governor. So let's jump ahead. Nehemiah 13, someone like to read verse 6 for us. Artaxerxes. I had returned to the king, and after certain days I obtained leave from the king. Okay. So there's a period of time when he was gone, and then he asked to go back uh, to Jerusalem for a second term. Um, how long he was gone, we don't know. We'll, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later. So getting into uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 actually it kind of sets the stage for the, what happens starting in verse 4. It says, On that day they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and there was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it came about that when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners from Israel. Okay, so this, this sets the stage for what's going to happen. And it begins with 
on that day. One of the hard things in this chapter is trying to figure out the chronology. And here we have the first question, what day? Um, some of the commentaries uh, go back to chapter 12, verse 44, where it says, on that day, men were also appointed over the chambers for the stores. Well, that was the day of the dedication. That was possibly 12 years earlier. So had they studied the law and read the law 12 to 14 years before what we have happening in verse 4? Maybe. Um, other commentaries say, well, on that day refers to the day when Nehemiah returns uh, from Babylon or wherever he was, uh, returns from the capital. Uh, we don't know that either. Others, you know, we one of the things when we talked about the Feast of Booths, we learn that every seven years they would forgive all debts and they would read the law. So, you know, some of the commentaries say, well, this is one of the regular seven year readings of the law. So we don't know when this happened. Um, but what's actually important here is not when this occurred, but what it says. What's the content of what they learned? So as we go through this, we'll run into some of these other chronological problems and we try to put them in order but this must have happened before the action because they should have known better is what is what Nehemiah is telling us so what is the content basically no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God and that raised the second question I had is what is the assembly of God um, and again, the commentaries basically said it's the religious assemblies. So they were not allowed within the temple compound. Uh, they were not allowed to celebrate any of the feasts with the Jews. Um, the temple area was off limits to them. Uh, now, it does not necessarily mean that there could not be any aliens living amongst them. If you remember when they left Exodus, it says there was a mixed multitude that went with them. And all through the Pentateuch, there's references to how do you treat the alien? You know, you, you treat them this way or that way. Certain rules did apply to the aliens that lived among them. So we know that they weren't excluded from, you know, physically being there, but they were excluded from the religious services. Well, let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 23. And we'll see where, uh, you know, it says they were not allowed into the services, and that's Deuteronomy 23 tells us that. Someone like to read verses 3 through 6 for us. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way. When you came out of Egypt, because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Peor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to them. 
Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loved you. You shall not seek the peace or the prosperity all your days forever. Okay. So that's, uh, that's obviously where uh, <coughs> Nehemiah's uh, uh, passage comes from. It's, he takes this and it's just condensed a little bit. Uh, but we see all the same main points. And, and going on uh, in Deuteronomy 23, verses 7 and 8, it also says, You shall not detest an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not detest an Egyptian, because you were an alien in his land. And he says, The sons of the third generation who are born of them may enter the assembly of the Lord. So the Egyptians and the Edomites were also partially excluded, but not to the extent of the Ammonites and the Moabites. So, you know, going back, um, this is where some of these endless genealogies come in handy. You know, why, why some groups are accepted, some are not. Um, Edom is Esau, the descendants of Esau. And Esau was Jacob's twin brother. So there's a relationship there between the Jews and the Edomites. They're cousins in a sense. When you look at uh, Ammon and Moab, they are descendants of Lot. And Lot was Abraham's nephew, which meant Isaac's cousin. So they are also related, but it's a little more of a distance relate, distant relationship there. Um, and so when the Jews came out of Egypt, um, you know, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they started to head toward the land. And they were going up, they crossed over to the east side of the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, in the, the Arabah, that, that large valley, and were heading north. And what this says is that these two nations should have helped them, but instead they rejected them. They did not help them at all. We can see, let's go back in Deuteronomy chapter 2. Someone like to read verse 9 and 19. 9 and 19. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, or contend with them in battle, for I will not give you one of, uh, or any of their land as possession, because I have given, as I guess, to the, to the descendants of Lot as a possession. What was the other verse? Uh, 19. 19. When you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them, nor meddle with them. For I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. Okay, so here again we see the, the relationships. You know, they're, they're relatives, and God has blessed them because they're... they're um, they're not direct descendants of Abraham. Lot was almost like a, an adopted son to Abraham. But God's given them their lands, and he specifically tells the Israelites, 
do not harass them. You know, everybody else, they, God says, you go in and destroy the Canaanites, but not the Ammonites, uh, not the Moabites, because they're relationship to you, and I've given them their lambs, so uh, leave them alone. Um, now, as far as a passage that says that they did not help the Israelites, um, the only ones we have is the stuff, the ones we read. You know, when you actually go through the book of Numbers, it talks about what happened when they came to all these other nations. Um, and let's, let's go back and let's look at that. Numbers chapter 20. We'll look at a, what happened when they ran into all these other nations, is, uh, starting with Edom, the descendants of Esau. Numbers chapter 20, which someone like to read verses 17 through 21 for us. That's, that's good enough. So they, oh, I told you to read 21, didn't I? Didn't I? They re- Edom, Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory, so Israel turned away from him. Okay, so Edom, not only did they, you know, they were the closer re- relations, not only did they not help, they refused to even let them pass. Um, so that was a rather poor reception. Um, so then they come up to the next country, uh, the Amorites. This is one of those places. Ammonites, Amorites. Two different, two different nations. Amorites are some of the Canaanites. And that's in chapter 21. And would someone like to read verses 21 through 24? We'll see what happens here. Then Israel sent messengers to Zion, king of the Amorites, saying, let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from wells. We will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. But Sion would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Sion gathered all his people together and went out against Israel in the wilderness. He came to Jabez and fought against Israel. 24 Yes, also, please. Um, then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword, took possession of his land from the Ammon to the, <laughs> yes, it's whatever that is, as far as the people of Ammon. For the border of the people of Ammon was fortified. Okay. So they, the Jews make the same offer to uh, uh, Sion, king of the Amorites, and we'll, we'll just... Like, just like they said to Edom, 
you know, we won't turn aside. We'll just go down the road and just let us go through it. But um, the Amorites here come out and attack them. And this time Israel destroys them. You know, they didn't destroy the Edomites because they were blessed by God. The Amorites were Canaanites and were cursed of God. So Israel destroyed them. And this land, I think, was later given to Reuben. Um, and then the, let's go on to the next uh, one, chapter 21, verses 33 through 35. Someone would like to read that, 33 through 35. Then they turned and went up to the way, of, by the way, to Bashan, to Og. Yeah. And King of Bashan came out against him, the same all of his people, in battle and injury. But the Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him, for I have given him under your hand, and all his people in his land. And you shall do to him as you did to Shaka, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon. So they defeated him and his sons and all of his people, until he had no survivors left, and they possessed his land. Okay. So they destroyed uh, Og and his uh, people um, as well, because again they were they were Canaanites and they were under God's curse. And so this whole area that they captured became what they called the Transjordan tribes. Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh inherited this land. Um, so, you know, we've we've got these descriptions of these three countries that they fought with, but Ammon they didn't attack. You know, when they, you know, when what Roy read uh, about uh, the Amorites, they went up to the Jabbok River, which was the boundary with Ammon, and they stopped. They didn't go into Ammon. So the Moabites and the Ammonites were uh, spared the destruction uh, that the rest of the nations in that region experienced. So this brings Israel up. They're uh, on the east side of the Jordan River, camped out on the plains opposite Jericho, and they're right up against the southern border of Moab. And the king of Moab is very, very nervous about that. So Numbers chapter 22, someone would like to read verses 3 through 6. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moab, Moabites said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox looks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was a king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Boer, who was at the Pithor, near the Euphrates River, in his native land. Balak said, A people have come, has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on this people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. Okay, so the, now we, we already read that God prohibited the Israelite army from attacking Moab. But the king of Moab apparently didn't know that, and he was scared that they were going to do it, so he hired Balaam to come and curse them. And God told Balaam, don't you dare curse my people, you must bless them instead. So... Uh, that kind of gives us this historical background as to 
why this why, why were the Ammonites and the Moabites prohibited from being in God's assembly? They didn't help their, their own relatives. Um, they didn't give them the uh, sustenance that they needed. Let's look at a New, New Testament passage that's similar. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. So I'd like to read verses 34 through 36. Then the king will say to those on his right, is that, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Um, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did he see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when he did, is that... Yep, that's that's far enough. So so here God is saying, bless my people. When you give to my people, you are are giving to me. And then he also says uh, further on, uh, truly I say to you, and this is starting in verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. So God's people had come. The Ammonites and the Moabites gave them nothing. And so God in effect curse them and prohibit them from uh, the assembly, from being able to come into the temple area and worship him. Okay, back to our passage in Nehemiah. Uh, verse 3 says that it, you know, it came about that when they heard the law, they excluded all the foreigners from Israel. Um, one of the things that we've seen over and over again is Israel is composed of those people whose names are written in the genealogies. If your name is in the genealogy, then you're considered a legitimate Israelite with all the privileges thereof, which includes the worship of God in the temple, the festivals. And so they, these people were excluded uh, because of that. They were not considered legitimate Israelites. Okay, so this, is, again, is background for what's going to happen starting in what we're going to look at in verse 4. And now prior to this, Eliashab, the priest, who was appointed over the ch- chambers of the house of God, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him where formerly they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. So again, it says, now prior to this, or before this, here's another one of these chronological markers. (laughs) Before what? (laughs) Apparently it's before Nehemiah returned, is the best that we can figure out. And that makes sense when we look at verse 6, that Nehemiah asked leave of the king to go back to Jerusalem. So before, So during this time when Nehemiah was away and before he returned, this is what happened. Um, 
we're told here that Eliashib was in charge of the chambers. Now, he was the high priest. And the high priest usually was not the one who took care of the storerooms. That was delegated, you know, probably several layers below him in delegation. However, he was responsible for all of it. Um, some of the uh, commentaries say, well, it couldn't have been him. It must be someone else who was also named Eliashib. But that uh, doesn't seem to fit the whole context. But it tells us that he was related to Tobiah. Well, right here, we don't see why this was such a huge problem. But let's go back to chapter 4 and verse 3. Chapter 4 and verse 3. Would someone like, like to read that for us? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Okay. Tobiah was a what? Ammonite. An Ammonite. Okay. The Ammonites were not allowed in the assembly of God. They were excluded from the assembly of the Lord. So he is an Ammonite. We also saw throughout this whole uh, section that he's the one who can, was one of the party of people who opposed the rebuilding of the wall that Nehemiah was trying to do. So they had actually been butting heads and were enemies of each other. So, you know, there was some, you might say there was some bad blood here between uh, Nehemiah and Tobiah anyways. Um, let's also look at Nehemiah chapter 6. I'll, I'll read verses 17 and 18. It says, Also in those days many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. So they were scheming on how to uh, oppose uh, Nehemiah's work. For many in Judah were bound to him by oath because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. So there's a lot of names there, but when you sort it out, um, Tobiah's wife and his daughter-in-law were both from Jewish families, from Jerusalem. So they were related. So he, even though he was an Ammonite, he had taken a wife from the Jews in Jerusalem. His son... <clears throat> Excuse me. His son had also taken a wife from the Jews in Jerusalem. And so this is how he was related to, to, to Tobiah and Eliashib were related somehow. Um, I think if somebody wanted to go through and really study all those names out, you might get a better, more clear picture of what exactly the relationship was. Uh, but he was in some way related. <clears throat> so Eliashib had prepared this chamber in the temple complex for Tobiah the Ammonite, who should have been excluded from this complex. He should have been, yeah. Um, and it goes on and it says, the room uh, formerly was used for, for offerings, for temple utensils, tithes, uh, the portions designated for the Levites. So this is a room that should have been designated and dedicated to the Lord's service, but it was given to an Ammonite who was excluded. 
and this was disgusting. Uh, and so uh, we will see Nehemiah's uh, response in a little bit. But uh, going on to verse 6, he says, But during all this time I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I'd gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked leave from the king. And then we see in the next verse he comes back to Jerusalem. Um, so he'd gone back to the capital after serving as governor for 12 years. Artaxerxes is called king of Babylon. He's actually the king of Persia, which includes Babylon. And there's some thought since he's called king of Babylon here, it might mean that at this time he was in Babylon. And so, uh, so that's where the capital was at this time. Um, but one of the things we see over and over again with the Jews is as long as they've got a strong leader who is faithful to God, they'll follow him. But as soon as he leaves, they go back to idolatry. Um, it reminds me of Moses when he came down and they had the calf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 40 days. It took, it took 40 days. He was, and they were back in idol, idolatry. I want to look at one example, Second Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles chapter 24. Someone like to read verses 1 and 2 for us. seven years old when he became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem his mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest Jehoiada the priest yes Jehoiada the priest so if I remember right, Jehoiada had hidden Josiah as a as a baby when uh, Joash was hidden. So he was seven years old. They they put him on the throne, and Jehoiada actually was leading him and advising him. And you know, every time he got a new king, he says oh, he was a good king or he was a bad king. Well, this says he was a good king, but it also says. As long as, or only during the time of Jehoiada the priest. So let's turn over to verses 17 and 18. Someone like to read those verses for us. Now after the death of Jehoiada, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them, and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for his guilt of them. Okay. So Jehoiada the priest, while he was alive and, and leading, the, you know, as an advisor to the king, he kept the people uh, serving and focused on God. But as soon as he was gone, they immediately turned back to idolatry. And so what we see here is when Nehemiah left, bad things happen. And this that's what chapter 13 is all about, all the bad things that happened while he was gone. Um, so, uh, 
you know, the first one is they, they gave the Ammonite a room in the temple complex. Uh, now he's going to be coming back. He says, after some time, he asked permission to return to Jerusalem. And again, we don't know what the time frame was. You know, and you, you look at the commentaries and they all speculate. You know, someone said, well, at least six months, probably six months to a year. Uh, a lot, awful lot of bad things happened. And I think it, it, did a, it might have taken longer than a year for all this to happen as you go through the whole chapter. Um, I had mentioned uh, last Sunday we were looking at the uh, governors between uh, Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, who, was, who, were, who were the governors, and uh, there was one site that had archaeological evidence, you know, scraps and things that had names and called them the governors of Judah. So they filled it in with like three names in there. Um, but that same site... Uh, put some dates on Nehemiah that uh, his first term ended in 433 B.C. and that his second term began in 429 B.C. So that would give a space of about three to four years. So I, I'm thinking maybe more, more along that line as far as how long he was gone. Okay, so we, we will see in verses 7 and 8 uh, what happens when he gets back. Um, and I came to Jerusalem and learned about the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it was very displeasing to me, so I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. So he gets back to Jerusalem. He learns what, where Tobiah is. Uh, you know, it, uh, when you look at the, uh, Solomon's temple, there were on the north and south, the, the temple opened to the east, so the north and south walls had storage rooms built up the sides on the outside, three stories of rooms. Um, but there also were other buildings in the temple complex that they use for storage. And so this talks about the courts, and so I don't think it was a room actually attached to the temple itself. I'm, I'm guessing it was probably one of these other rooms. Um, but again, the Ammonites were not even allowed to be in this area, let alone being given a room. And so Nehemiah instantly recognizes this as a great evil. And he says that, uh, the evil that Eliashib had done. So Nehemiah, the governor, is a more righteous man than Eliashib, the high priest, which is kind of sad. Um, Eliashib was, uh, should have known better. Um, during this time, uh, Malachi was preaching. He was a prophet. Uh, and let's turn to Malachi chapter 1. Verse 6, and he makes a comment about the priests. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Would someone like to read that for us? The son honors his father, the servant his master. 
If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Okay, the priests despised God. And in, in Malachi, that's because they were offering blemished sacrifices. And back here, it's like, we don't care about the temple. We'll just we'll do whatever we want with it. They thought little of God. They did not honor him. Um, and so Nehemiah's response, uh, I have a New American Standard. He says, it was very displeasing to me. And the NIV says that too. And I think that's an understatement. <laughs> If, Mine says, and I was very angry. Yeah, CSV says, very angry, which is what I would assume would be his response. And so his response was swift, decisive. They threw all of Tobiah's stuff out. Um, just got rid of it. Uh, now, it also says household goods. And so the commentaries say, you know, he probably didn't have, didn't own so many household goods. He needed a storage unit. But what this is was, it was like an apartment, because Tobiah was an Ammonite. He was an official from Ammon, and he would come to Jerusalem, and he had to stay somewhere. So this was kind of like his apartment in Jerusalem. So when he came to Jerusalem, he'd stay here. And so that's why he threw out all his household goods. He was living in the temple complex. I'm going to just kind of in closing read from John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple there were those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money, ma- money changers seated, and he made a scourge of cords and drove them out the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables and to those who were selling the doves he said take these things away stop making my father's house a house of merchandise his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for thy house will consume me so I think that's an example of that same kind of zeal that Nehemiah had if he tossed them out because he was, he saw this was an abomination. And it was that same attitude that Jesus had there. Okay, well, we've gone over. We need to close. <laughs> Maybe you want to close in prayer for us? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the history that's there. Lord, we thank you um, that you know the beginning from the end. And Lord, we just thank you so much for that. We pray for our next service, Lord, for Roy, that you bless him, the message that he has for us. That you be with Elvia, Lord, encourage her. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.